Good evening, guys, ghouls, and girls. Welcome to my horror movie review, or movie decomposition, if you will, where I watch a film, break it down, and rate it for your entertainment. Disclaimer, yes, there will be blood, gore, and or disturbing topics discussed, and obviously there will be spoilers, so if this is not really your cup of tea, or you don't want to ruin the movie for yourself but still want to support me, feel free to click off this one and find another. I have plenty of options on my YouTube channel and or my podcast services. Thank you for listening. Stay spooky! The movie I am discussing today is Inside, the French version released in 2007. Our opening scene begins with a fetus in a womb and a voice that says, My child, my baby, finally inside me. No one will take him from me. No one can hurt him now. No one. The music then intensifies as we hear glass smashing and the baby's face crashes up against the camera then red. It's just blood. We're introduced by what had happened as the camera pans to a blue car with smoke bellowing out of the hood and another car that had t-boned it on the side. Fire has taken light in front of the blue car and the camera approaches closer. It's raining heavily and there is thunder grumbling in the background. We are introduced to a couple of characters, a woman and a man, both extremely bloodied and unconscious. The windshield smashed with the woman driver starting to come too. A piercing sound plays to give the audience an idea of how loud the crash was and the ringing going on in this woman's head. She lifts her head slowly from the man's shoulder, a stream of blood flowing out of her mouth as she assesses the situation. She slightly turns her head. Her eyes turn to the male passenger as she chokes out, Matthew? He doesn't move. There seems to be no reaction from him. The camera fixates on him. He also has blood dribbling out of his mouth, head absolutely drenched in blood. As we are beginning to piece together what has happened, the male passenger has perished. The camera turns back to the female driver looking down at her stomach. She's pregnant. She grasps her bump tightly and gives it a slight rub. The camera goes to a bird's eye view and it shows both cars in almost a head-on collision with each other. Both cars in terrible shape, but then it cuts to the opening credits, leaving us with the question of, what happened to the people in the car? Are they okay? The opening credits are creepy. A lot of blood and what seems to be bones and a spine which then forms into a fetus in a womb. And at the end, the word inside appears with blood splatter surrounding the word. We know that we're in for a gory ride. An ultrasound appears on the screen with the beeping of a heart rate monitor and a little baby's face and foot moving around, indicating that the baby is still alive. We then learn that our main character is named Sarah and she appears lying down in a doctor's office with the text stating it is four months later. The doctor states her baby is doing just fine as he runs the ultrasound wand over her protruding belly. Sarah looks away from the ultrasound screen. She looks truly miserable. The doctor asks if she has picked a name for the baby yet. An uncomfortable silence washes over with the heart rate monitor still beeping in the background. She doesn't answer the doctor, to which he then just adds, We'll see you tomorrow morning at 7, advising her that if her condition hasn't changed, they will induce the labour. 
He ensures Sarah everything will be fine, but she doesn't even look at him. The doctor asks if there's someone that can bring her in the morning as she wipes the gel off her stomach. He adds that they would normally have ambulance services, but since it is Christmas, everyone has gone home. Sarah finally replies to him quite abruptly and tells him that she does indeed have someone taking her to the hospital. She thanks the doctor, sits up, stating she'll see him in the morning. Sarah sits in the waiting room. A nurse sits down with her, talking to her about the troubles of pregnancy that she experienced, advising she'd been pregnant four times as she pulled out a cigarette. She tells Sarah the first pregnancy is always the worst. The nurse then adds she was in 13 hours of labour, only for it to come out as a stillborn. We are then introduced to a female character who is there to pick Sarah up. Obviously, Sarah hasn't managed to get a car within four months, and we learn that her name is Louise. As they are walking away from the hospital, Louise talks about how glad she is that Sarah took the day off, as she is relieved that Sarah is not near the rights to photograph. Sarah clearly seems frustrated and just tells her is a bunch of burning cars. Louise then mentions how nice Jean-Pierre is to Sarah, asking if he and her had ever hooked up, but Sarah snaps at her and says he's her boss. Louise prods a little more, stating she was hoping to have been introduced to him one of these days. Sarah doesn't even respond. Louise, changing the subject, asks her what she'd like to do, suggesting Christmas dinner at her place or Sarah's. Sarah responds rudely that she doesn't feel like it and wants to be alone and walks away. Sarah sits on a park bench, a scarf wrapped around her neck with a matching beanie, her face looking just as miserable as it has been since the start of the film. She sits and sniffles, watching a mother and father play with their toddler in the park. She pulls out her camera, taking the cap off the lens, and she begins to snap the happy family. Jean-Pierre appears and sits on the bench next to Sarah. His phone rings and he walks away yelling down the phone. After the disgruntled call, he sits back down, complaining no one is near the rights to cover the story for him. He then asks Sarah how she's been doing, and adding, it has been rough without her to cover the riots. She doesn't even respond to his comments. Instead, she pulls a set of keys out of her bag and hands them to him, asking him if he can be at her place by 6am. He agrees, and the two walk off together, with her stating she couldn't care less about Christmas, and that she'd rather be alone that evening. Sarah is dropped off at her home. Everything is seemingly normal. We learn that she has a black, whiny cat that greets her as she unlocks it and opens her door. We do have some eerie music and the weather is still very overcast and gives us a sense of sadness. It becomes evening. Sarah is sitting up on her couch on the phone to her friend Louise, assuming it's the same Louise we'd met earlier. Sarah states to her friend that she doesn't want Louise to come over to the hospital that following day, reassuring her friend that she is fine by herself. The camera moves in closer to Sarah and she explains to Louise that Jean-Pierre is picking her up in the morning to take her to the hospital. Louise seemingly disgruntled, Sarah abruptly says goodbye and hangs up her phone. The camera pans to the outside of the house, showing the sky darkening as it becomes later in the night. Sarah, in her house, closes a door to the black room, which has developed black and white photos of her and her husband Matthew scattered on a pinboard on the wall. Sarah stands and stares at it. We see Sarah's face. She looks empty and sad as she glares at these images on the wall. 
wondering what could have been if the accident hadn't stolen her partner away. She cracks a little smile as the memories wash over her and she slowly rubs her belly. Another hand appears from behind her and also holds her belly to indicate she is imagining her husband being there with her. It shows Matthew standing behind Sarah, kissing her neck, and as Sarah slowly lifts her face to kiss Matthew, we are then revisited with the scene of the car accident, Matthew's head smashing against the glass. We see Sarah, alone again in the black room, tears forming in her eyes. She looks down and then leaves the room. Next scene, Sarah is sitting on her rocking chair, holding her stomach and slowly rocking back and forth. She looks exhausted as she sits, rocking with her eyes closed. Some time passes by and she starts to knit, but after holding the garment up she notices a hole and sighs, damn it, and puts the needles and wool down. She starts rocking again and eventually puts herself to sleep, dropping the needles and wool on the floor beside her. The camera pans closer, it is silent, and after a minute of uncomfortable silence, Sarah awakes, struggling to breathe and is coughing. She struggles to get oxygen, falls to her knees off the rocking chair and begins to vomit. We are then shown Sarah on the ground, lying on her back, her mouth open extremely wide and almost like a water fountain appearing in her mouth. Blood and then a baby appears out of her mouth. It's obviously a dream. Sarah wakes up to the doorbell ringing. She isn't expecting anyone, as all of the people that vaguely wanted to help her, she told that she wanted to be left alone. Sarah gets up and slowly walks to the door. The bell rings again. She looks through the peephole. There is a silhouette of a person and says out loud, I can't see anything, referring to features or who it may be. She leans on the door, listening, and the person bangs on the door. She asks, who is it? The audience can tell she's frightened by the tone in her voice. A female voice replies, explaining that they are sorry to bother her on Christmas Eve, but they have a problem. They then ask to come in and use the phone. Sarah, quick to respond, asks if they have a cell phone, but the voice on the other side of the door says that the battery is dead and adds that their car broke down. Sarah lies, advising the person that her husband has to work in the morning and he's already sleeping. The voice, getting persistent, tells Sarah they will only be a minute and will be quiet, but this doesn't break Sarah. She tells them no and apologises. She advises the person to try houses in the area and the person is not taking no for an answer. She begins begging Sarah, telling them that she doesn't want to be left alone outside with all the violence that's been happening at the moment. Sarah, now aggravated, raises her voice and repeats that her husband is sleeping. This is where it gets eerie. The voice responds calmly but firmly. Your husband is not sleeping, Sarah. He's dead. Sarah, clearly taken back by what the person has said, she even asks, What? The voice adds, Open the door, Sarah. Sarah backs off the door and asks who they are. Hand on her face, she is freaked out. She even asks how they know her name. The voice responds, Open the door and I'll tell you. The banging starts again. Sarah threatens to call the police. She looks out the peephole of her door and the figure is gone. She walks away. 
She's scared. She looks out the other windows but can't see anyone outside. She pulls open one blind that reveals Christmas lights on her neighbouring house, but no one is there. Sarah slowly walks back towards her living room, grasping her stomach in pure disbelief. She turns off the light and then hears another bang. She gasps, turns around and sees a figure of a human standing in the window. Sarah has her cell phone. She is staring right at the figure as she lifts the phone to her ear. She is calling the police. She tells them in a panicked voice that there is a strange lady at her door and pleads for them to send somebody as soon as possible, adding she doesn't know what they want. The camera pans to a black gloved hand on the glass and Sarah telling the police that the woman knows her name and that she knows all about her. Sarah adds that she's pregnant in an attempt to get them to hurry up. We are then faced with the woman. She lights a cigarette and we get a brief look of her face. She's not too old, I'd say late 20s, has dark hair and is wearing a big coat with black gloves. She looks straight up at Sarah. Sarah slowly lowers the cell phone from her ear and stares back at the woman as she ends the call. Sarah threatens how soon the police will be there. In five minutes, she yells out, the woman, taking a puff on her cigarette, the burning end lighting up, giving off a very dark, ominous feel. Sarah replays the voice of the woman on the phone, advising her to keep all windows and doors locked, but we learn quickly that that is not stopping this woman. The woman outside punches the glass, leaving a shattered circle where she hit it. Sarah, in shock, steps back in fear, the glass still cracking from the initial hit. Sarah grabs a fire poker, holding it in front of her and attempts to show the woman she is not going down without a fight. She steps backwards, almost tripping on her couch. She doesn't take her eyes off the woman outside and feels her way to sit down, still staring at the woman. She grabs her camera and quickly turns it on. She stands up slowly, holding her stomach, waiting for her camera to finally load. She then frantically takes pictures, over and over, the flash going off. The woman's still standing outside, but the shattered glass covers a good portion of this woman's face. Sarah slowly lowers her camera from her face, and when she looks back outside, the woman has left. Sarah goes straight to her black room to develop her photos. We can only guess it's to give to the police as evidence. However, she has also developed the photos from earlier when she was in the park taking photos of the family playing together. As she gets a closer look at the photo with a magnifying glass, she notices there is a woman standing in the frame. The doorbell rings. The police have arrived. We see flashing blue and red lights from outside into the house. Sarah answers the door and there are three police officers to greet her. One goes off and checks out the perimeter, while the other two step inside. Asking Sarah if she lives alone, Sarah answers yes. The female police officer asks, a guy not wanting to be a father? Smugly. And Sarah quickly replies, it's not that simple. The second officer, the male, asks Sarah who the woman was, but Sarah replies that she didn't know, but that the woman knew her name. The female police officer says, it is on your mailbox right outside, but Sarah tells her she knows other things about her. The third policeman that is outside doing a sweep has his flashlight and is still looking around, but he doesn't seem to be finding much. We're back in Sarah's lounge room and she's sitting with the female officer. 
She asks Sarah if she was sure it was a woman, asking if she got a good look at her face or not. Sarah says she stayed out of the light, but she did try to take some photos and handed them to the police officer. Sarah explained that it was dark and that they were the best that she could get. The officer admits there's probably not much they can do with it as the image is too dark. She hands it to her partner and he looks at it, shaking his head and hands it back to Sarah. The other police officer enters. He exclaims that there's no one around and tells Sarah not to worry. He's sure she's left. He tells Sarah he's going to lock her in for the night, trying to make her feel a sense of security. The female officer tells Sarah they've notified night patrol and everyone else that is already on duty. She places her hand on Sarah's shoulder and tells her that they will also be posting a bulletin to ensure someone is checking on her throughout the night to make sure she is okay. Sarah thanks them and the three police officers leave. Sarah locks the door behind her. She has the TV on. It is showing the news and the riots that are happening at the moment. She falls asleep on the couch with her cat. The camera pans in closely and the cat is meowing, growling, and that wakes her up. Sarah is annoyed, but as the camera slowly backs away, we get a glimpse of the other woman standing in the background. She is inside Sarah's house, but Sarah doesn't know that yet. Sarah pulls her phone out from under the couch pillow. She calls Jean-Pierre, but gets through to his voicemail. She tells him about the weird encounter she has experienced for the evening, and asks if he may be able to enhance a couple of her photos tomorrow. She ends the call, slowly climbs her stairs. Sarah is laying in bed. She's wide awake and she's holding her stomach. The cat comes in, meowing, and then disappears. We get a visual of the fetus in her womb, happily floating and existing in its safe environment. Sarah turns off her lamp in attempts to get some sleep. She has her eyes closed and the camera pans out. The audience sees the woman standing next to Sarah's bed, just watching her sleep. After an uncomfortable minute, the woman walks out of the room, Sarah none the wiser. The woman quietly opens the baby's nursery door and picks up some toys and opens a bag which has clothing in it. She pulls out what looks to be a small baby's dress and holds it against her face, taking a deep breath in. This lady has lost it. She drops the item of clothing on the floor and leaves the room. She then proceeds to walk into the bathroom, stands there for a little while. She is looking for something. She opens a couple of cupboards and finds a bottle of liquid, grabs this and rummages through drawers to find something else. We see the woman in complete black approaching Sarah's room. She has a pair of large scissors in her hand, which has me assuming what she grabbed is some kind of rubbing alcohol. She turns on a lamp in the room Sarah is sleeping, clearly holding this bottle of liquid and scissors. She sits on the side of the bed that Sarah is laying, she is going to cut that baby out of her stomach. The woman removes her black gloves and lifts Sarah's dress to touch her pregnant stomach. Sarah barely stirs. The woman removes the lid of the bottle of the liquid and dips the scissors blades into it. She then runs the blade gently up the middle of Sarah's stomach until she reaches her belly button and that's when she stabs into Sarah. Blood starts to run out of the wound. Sarah gasps in pain, waking up from what you could imagine would be a painful fright. 
The woman slashes Sarah in the face, just above her top lip. The woman raises the scissors again to go in for another attack, but Sarah protects her face with her arms. We see the baby in the womb, distressed with blood. There's a struggle. The woman trying desperately to stab Sarah, but she's fighting back. Sarah manages to fight the woman off from on top of her and she grabs the closest thing to her which is her lamp from her bedside table. She hits the woman in the head and rolls off the bed. She crawls along the floor as the woman stands up and throws the scissors right next to Sarah's head and into the door. Sarah, crawling backwards, still facing her attacker, manages to lock herself in the bathroom. She's crying and bloodied as she presses up against the back of the bathroom wall and the woman is on the outside trying to get in. She's kicking at the door, jiggling the handle. The lock is old and Sarah knows it won't hold for long as she cries trying to figure out what to do next. The woman is using her elbow to try and break down the door. She's getting frustrated as it isn't budging. She grabs her head, throws herself against the wall behind her, holding her head and screams. She is bleeding from where Sarah hit her with the lamp. You can imagine her head is probably pounding right about now. She stumbles back into Sarah's bedroom, still grasping at her head. We're back in the bathroom, Sarah managing to stand up. She's crying. Struggling to breathe because of her pain and situation, she turns on the fluorescent light. We get a great shot of Sarah's cut face. She is looking at herself in the mirror, looking at the blood and the cut. The woman opens the top drawer of Sarah's bedside table and grabs her cell phone. Sarah, still crying in the bathroom, notices her water breaking. She lifts the bottom of her dress to see the damage of her stomach. She is bleeding a little, but not as much as her face. She's in a lot of pain, agony. She grabs a towel and holds it to her stomach and slides down the wall on the floor. The woman, in the kitchen now, tears off her corset she had around her waist and puts ice into a towel to hold onto her head. Trying to figure out her next plan of attack, we hear keys jiggling in what we can assume is the front door. A door creaks open and the camera pans around to Jean-Pierre walking into the house. He walks towards the kitchen, asking for Sarah. It is dark, so he turns on a lamp in the lounge room. He is confronted with Sarah's attacker, but is completely oblivious to the fact that that is who she is. He says, excuse me, I'm sorry to bother you, and he introduces himself. Sarah, none the wiser that her friend is there, crawls along the bathroom in pain, listening against the bathroom door for any noise. Jean-Pierre tells the woman he stopped by to see if Sarah was okay, and that he is worried about her with all the violence that is happening in the city. He advises he was supposed to pick her up, so she gave him the keys for tomorrow morning, but he says he sees her mum, assuming the attacker is Sarah's mother, got there before him. The woman replies to him, When a daughter needs, a mother knows. Jean-Pierre nods and says he hopes she's okay. The woman responds that she went to bed an hour ago, and Jean-Pierre tells her it is time for him to leave. The woman asks for him to stay, to have a drink because she's heard so much about him. Sarah, still pressed up against the bathroom door listening and crying. Jean-Pierre stayed for the drink. He asks the woman if she's excited to become a grandmother. She shushes him, saying it took Sarah hours to fall asleep. Jean-Pierre tells her not to wake Sarah and the woman starts talking about how difficult the accident has been for Sarah. 
We are now learning that this woman knows a lot about Sarah. She knows about the accident and how traumatic that has been. So now we know that she has been stalking Sarah for quite some time. As she is talking about how hard the accident has been, Jean-Pierre put his hand on the woman's lap, but she obviously didn't want what he was dishing, and she stood up, headed to the kitchen asking if he wanted another drink. As Jean-Pierre sits in the lounge room by himself, he notices a photograph under the cushion on the couch, the same one Sarah showed the police earlier that evening. He sits and studies it for a while. He says out loud, what the hell? As the woman approaches, the photo is the shot of the woman standing outside. The woman says, my little photographer, always taking pictures and leaving them laying around, trying to deflate Jean-Pierre's suspicions. Jean-Pierre pries and asks when she took that photo, if the woman had any idea. He adds, I'm pretty sure this is the one she called me about. If you remember from earlier, Sarah did call Jean-Pierre and left a message saying she wanted him to check some weird photos she took. The woman asks, really? What did she say about it? Pretending to be surprised. He replied something was bothering her. There was a picture she wanted to try and enlarge. But he couldn't remember if it was that she wanted him to enlarge it or to enhance it. At this point, we see the woman flash the scissors from her sleeve, indicating she is getting uncomfortable with this conversation and may go in for an attack. Jean-Pierre, still talking about how Sarah wanted to enhance the face on the photo, keys jiggle again outside and the front door opens. A woman with blonde hair enters. Who are you? What are you doing here? She asks. Where is Sarah? She adds in a concerned tone. Jean-Pierre says maybe she should tell him who she is. I'm going on a limb here to say she is Sarah's actual mother. Jean-Pierre adds, you just barge into somebody's house and tells her to keep her voice down as Sarah is sleeping. The woman gets feisty and throws her jacket to the floor. Where is my daughter? And she runs upstairs. Jean-Pierre turns around to the intruder and asks her who she is, piecing together that it was her in the photo. Sarah, still in the bathroom, climbs to the drawers on her vanity and grabs something she can use as a weapon. She hears footsteps approaching the bathroom. She's worked herself up to defend herself. Her mum, asking at the bathroom door, Sarah? But before Sarah can register it was her mum, she unlocks the bathroom door and stabs her mum right in the neck with this sharp object she'd found. Jean-Pierre hears the stir from downstairs and he asks if everything is alright. Sarah pulls out the object from her mum's neck. Blood shoots out. Sarah looking her mum right in the eyes as she falls against the wall. Blood gushing out of her neck and mouth. Sarah, realising what she's done, collapses to the floor in agony. Jean-Pierre reaches the start of the staircase, asking after Sarah. He begins walking up as he hears Sarah crying. He sees her dead mother on the floor and Sarah crying, asking him to help her. But at this point, Jean-Pierre falls down the staircase, yelling out in pain. The intruder has stabbed him through the knee. She then pulls out the scissors and stabs Jean-Pierre right between the legs. Ouch. She twists the scissors around, making sure he feels it. She pulls out the scissors again, stabs him in the face a few times and finally slits his throat, his blood splattering on the wall beside them. 
Sarah has since retreated back to the bathroom where she has locked herself back in after murdering her own mother. The woman walks slowly up the stairs, approaches the bathroom door and viciously stabs her scissors into the door. Sarah, sitting against it, would have felt the full force of that. The woman yanks the scissors from the door and retreats downstairs. She drags Jean-Pierre's body down the stairs with her. As they get into the lounge room, Jean-Pierre resurrects from the dead and starts yelling in pain, blood gushing out of his mouth. The woman grabs a pillow from the couch to suffocate him, but this wasn't quick enough for the attacker, so she stabs the scissors through the pillow into his face. She really twists the scissors around, ensuring he is a goner now. Sarah comes out of the bathroom cautiously and she stumbles into her bedroom. She goes straight for the top drawer of her bedside table to find her cell phone. The intruder hears her. She knows Sarah is not locked in the bathroom anymore. Sarah can't find her phone in the drawer as the woman took it earlier. The woman starts back up the stairs. Sarah, breathing heavily, rushes to get back into the bathroom as soon as possible. However, the woman grabs for her. Sarah tries to shut herself back into the bathroom, but she isn't quick enough. The woman grabs Sarah's hair from behind the bathroom door. Sarah, screaming in pain, tries to bash the door on the woman's wrist. The woman on the other side of the door screaming back at her, holding the grasp tightly on Sarah's hair. Sarah tries to rip away frantically, but to no avail. The woman finally rips a handful of hair out of Sarah's head. She comes away from the door and quickly grabs the woman's arm and stabs it with the weapon she had grabbed earlier that she'd killed her mum with. Sarah wiggles it around in the woman's arm, blood spilling out and the woman screaming out in pain. The weapon snaps in the woman's arm, leaving a very large splinter behind. The woman jerks her arm back from behind the door and Sarah slams the door as hard as she can and locks it fast. The woman, desperate to take the item out of her arm, resorts to using her mouth to rip it out, still screaming in pain. Now she is pissed. She kicks her feet on the bathroom door, yelling out viciously. Sarah on the floor, crying, holding her hand on her head that is also very bloodied, sits and waits for someone to save her. The woman, sitting on the other side of the bathroom, kicking the door and crying. She's clearly in pain but she pulls out a cigarette and lights it. A montage of her kicking the door, hitting her head on the wall and smoking happens. Flashes of her crazy comes out. The cat meows and the woman grabs it, holds it and looks at it, patting it. Sarah asks, who are you? Through the door. The woman holding the cat's head a bit tighter against her chin, stroking it slowly. The woman replies to Sarah, open the door. Getting angry again, she crushes the cat's head in her hands and throws the stiff body away. Sarah uses the basin to get up from the floor. You can imagine how much pain she's in. Her water is broken. She's going into labor while losing her mother, potential mate and her cat all in one evening. She's beginning to have contractions. She lets out a little yelp of pain. She drinks some water from the faucet, coughing up blood. She grasps her stomach and cries out. The intruder has finally had enough. She gets up and starts stabbing the bathroom door with the scissors. Open it, she yells. She's managed to make a hole in the door to see through. Sarah, feeling threatened again, breaks the mirror and takes a large shard to protect herself. Why me? she asks in pity backed up against the wall facing the door, looking into the eyes of the psychopath. I want one. 
the woman responds to her question. Sarah replies, what kind of man would fuck a crazy maniac like you? Sarah's getting personal and hitting the hard-hitting questions. She is clearly pissed off herself. Open up, Sarah, the woman replies. Don't be afraid, she adds. Tears run down Sarah's face. You don't want that child. I'll take good care of it, the woman says, still looking at her through the hole she made in the door. Sarah asks her, what are you talking about? The woman steps back onto the wall and stabs it with the scissors. She's frustrated, clearly done with talking. She starts screaming through gritted teeth in frustration. Just as she's worked herself up to charge at the door again, a police siren sounds outside. The woman stops, trying to think of her next plan of attack. She's covered in blood, her eye makeup running, and she's sweaty. Probably can't talk her way out of this one. The camera pans outside to the police car. Let's stop by and check on that pregnant lady, okay? We hear a male police officer say to his partner. And we'll take our prisoner to the station, he adds. We see four men sitting in the police car. The prisoner in cuffs, pleading his innocence to the police. The woman pacing up and down the hallway trying to think up a game plan pulls a cupboard in front of the bathroom door trying to prevent Sarah from leaving. Although the door opens from the inside, the handle can't move down as it is long and now that the cupboard is where it is preventing the handle from unlatching the door. The woman walks down the stairs. We get a nice view of the mayhem that has occurred with Sarah's mother's body bloodied on the floor and the blood splattered over the bathroom door. Sarah tries the door, but the handle can't budge. She is panicking, realising she's trapped. She stabs at the door with the mirror shard. The men, talking in the police car, taking their sweet time to get inside, gives the intruder enough time to wash her face and hands in the kitchen. Sarah, desperately digging away at the door, her hands bloodier as the shard of mirror stabs her. She is determined to get out of there. Two police officers approach the door and ring the doorbell. The other on the phone to his wife sits in the car with the prisoner. The police ring the doorbell a few times. We see the intruder grab a knitting needle and put it up her sleeve. The woman answers the door and the police ask if she's okay and that they were there to check on her, assuming the woman is Sarah. The woman advises she is fine, playing the role of Sarah, stating it has been a few hours since the earlier incident and it has calmed down now. The police, about to leave, hear the banging and ruckus happening upstairs. They ask her, what is that noise? The woman lies, telling them it's the spin cycle on the washing machine. She's quick, good with ad-libbing. The police laugh, bit cheaper to run at night, is it? The woman goes along with it and she replies with a short yeah. The police decide to get out of the woman's hair and say goodbye. They start to walk back to the car. The woman closes the door. As the police officers start walking back to the car, one of them stops, realising something very important about the pregnant lady that they were supposed to check on. Sarah, still tearing the bathroom door apart, has a decent sized hole now. She's able to stick her arm through. She feels around for the door handle. She realises there's something in the way, just before the woman grabs her arm and stabs the scissors straight through her hand. Sarah screams out in pain the woman pushing the scissors in harder to the point where Sarah can't take it out of the wall. The police knock on the door again, Sarah crying as her hand is still trapped by the scissors to the wall. 
The woman leaves her and walks slowly down the stairs. She unlocks the door and answers it. Did you forget something? She asks in a monotone voice. Yeah, just one stupid detail. One officer replies barging through the door, forcing the woman to step backwards. Just curious what you were going to name it. The officer asks her. Who? The woman replies. The baby. The other officer chimes in with a very smug look on his face. They hear Sarah making noises from the bathroom. Keep an eye on her, one officer says as he goes to check on the commotion upstairs. A police officer starts up the stairs. Jean-Pierre's blood all up the walls. He pulls out his gun for protection as he slowly walks up. The other officer keeping a very stern eye on the woman. The officer turns the light on at the top of the stairs. Holy shit, he says aloud, as he sees Sarah's dead mother on the floor. We were all thinking it, he just said it. Arrest her! Arrest her! The officer yells out to his partner that is standing with the woman. The officer grabs the woman's wrists, forcing her to her knees on the ground. Hands behind your back, on the floor, now, he yells. Little does he know, she's got a little something up her sleeve. Literally. The officer upstairs sees Sarah's hand, trapped by the scissors to the wall. He approaches, putting his gun back in the holster, and says to himself, It's a fucking war zone. Truer words have never been spoken. The officer downstairs is attempting to arrest the intruder. The officer upstairs tells Sarah he is the police, and he removes the cupboard from in front of the door. We are then shown to the officer downstairs trying to cuff the woman, but she quickly grabs the knitting needle from up her sleeve. The officer yells, don't move, but she stabs him right in the eye with the needle. The officer upstairs is telling Sarah he is going to have to remove the scissors. It's the only way that he can help her. He pulls them out, blood gushing out of her hand. She falls to the floor in the bathroom. The officer wriggling the handle to get in, but the door is still locked. Sarah, struggling in pain, manages to reach up to unlock it. The woman downstairs pulls the needle out of the officer's eye and stabs him in the neck. Sarah's taking her sweet time to unlock the door, and we are shown to the gun in the dying officer's holster. Sarah gets the door open for the officer. He kneels down to her level, truly taking in the horror of what poor Sarah has gone through tonight. Just as he says, oh my god, his head is blasted by a bullet. His blood and brain matter splatters all over Sarah's face. She screams out in disgust and pushes the officer's body off of her. Sarah manages to close and lock the bathroom door for the millionth time. You're not learning your lesson here, love. The intruder, fed up with this too, shoots at the lock on the door. Four bullets later, the other police officer hear the gunshots and decides he better head inside. He tells the prisoner that he's going to have to come along as he can't leave him in the car alone. The prisoner is surprised. The woman now easily opens the door. The officer outside cuffs the prisoner to drag him in with him. The woman stares into the bathroom, Sarah hiding behind the basin with the shard of mirror. She steps over the officer's carcass and moves into the bathroom slowly. The woman hears a noise downstairs. The front door is opened. She stops what she is doing and looks back out the doorway. The officer sees his partner dead on the floor. He is handcuffed with the prisoner, so as he knelt down, the prisoner had to as well. The prisoner, realising he has been brought into a shit show, wants to escape. Let me out of here, he pleads. 
The woman walks out of the bathroom. The officer cocks his gun, preparing himself. He shuts the front door and starts heading up the stairs. He has armed the prisoner with a gun also. The two get upstairs and see the second officer and the prisoner spews at the sight. The officer spots Sarah, the prisoner saying they need to get out of there. The officer kneels down to Sarah, asking her if she's okay and to calm down, her face covered in blood. The prisoner still spewing, the officer tells him to pull himself together. The officer reassures Sarah he'll be back in a second. He asks the prisoner if he knows how to use the gun as we see the woman walk past in the background in front of the bathroom doorway. Sarah stays behind the basin in the bathroom, keeping a lookout for the woman. She moves to the wall, facing the doorway. She's crying and holding her stomach. The police officer and the prisoner return. Sarah's shaking and asks if the woman is gone in a concerned voice. The prisoner armed is keeping watch with his back to the officer as the officer comforts Sarah. He advises Sarah that the woman has escaped through the window in her bedroom. Just as he says this, the power in the whole house goes off. Sarah yells, she's still here, she's still here. The officer has a flashlight and he tells them all to calm down. He asks Sarah if she has a fuse box and asks if she knows where it is. She replies it is downstairs, so that's where they head. He leaves her a gun and takes the shard of mirror from her hand. She is bleeding a lot, so he asks if she has bandages. He rummages through the drawers, he wraps her bloody hands up to stop them from bleeding, and tells Sarah he is going to find the breaker and turn the power back on. Sarah confesses she killed her mother. The officer comforts her more and tells her it's okay. The prisoner begging the officer that they should get out of there. The officer's telling him to shut up. Sarah cries as the officer takes his jacket off and puts it around her, telling her he's going to call for an ambulance and back up from his car. He asks if she can walk and tries to get her up to put her into the bedroom for her to wait for them a little more comfortably. The two help Sarah up off the floor and walk her to the bedroom. She stands in the doorway, anxiously awaiting their return. We get a close-up of Sarah's bloodied face. She hears their footsteps going down the stairs and she waits in complete silence and darkness. She turns around and slowly shuffles to her bed. The police officer and the detained are walking around downstairs. The only light is the flashlight from the police officer. They are in the lounge room and find the breaker. The officer opens the breaker box and looks in. We are then back to Sarah. She notices water on the floor in her bedroom but doesn't think anything of it and lays down on her bed. She has the gun next to her and she just lays, eyes wide open, covered in blood. She looks like she's just trying to figure out what this night has become. Her white nightgown is stained blood red, her face gone from sad and sorry to stunned almost. The officer, talking to the prison, tells him as soon as the lights come back on, he'll let him go. They hear a noise which instantly put them both on edge. They are looking around, the police officer armed with his gun and the prisoner shining the torch around the room. The officer feels a gun at his head and he slowly turns to look. We are then back in the bedroom looking at Sarah sprawled on her bed as we hear two gunshots. Then we hear the prisoner yell out to Sarah, Hey lady, she's still here! The prisoner is shown shaking the police officer telling him to wake up. He's still cuffed to his wrist so the prisoner can't escape. The prisoner is yelling, where the fuck are your keys, as he rummages through the officer's pockets. 
We see a silhouette of a human walk past in the front of the camera. They are not alone. The prisoner shines a light in the direction and sees the woman. She walks over to the prisoner, grabs his face and shushes him. She has him by the neck. We see her raise the large pair of bloodstained scissors she's been using as her weapon of choice. The prisoner yelling out as she then strikes him straight in between the eyes, the scissors sticking out of his head. Blood streams down from the wound. He is gasping. We see his hand raise up to the scissors and he yanks them out. The wound pouring out blood, he stares into nothingness and he waves the scissors around in front of him. The woman approaches him. Cigarette in her hand, he is trying to protect himself, but due to being stabbed in the head and losing a lot of blood, he can't conjure up enough strength. At this point, I'm surprised he even knows what is happening still. He falls forward, the woman still smoking just takes a little step out of the way and has a very evil grin on her face. She stands and watches his life end before her. A light appears on Sarah, it's the woman with the flashlight. She runs her hand up Sarah's stomach and kisses it. It also gets a little sexual here as the woman climbs on top of Sarah and kisses her on the neck and then on the lips only for Sarah to bite her bottom lip. Hard. The woman screams out in pain as Sarah rolls off the bed to escape her. The woman spitting out blood and holding her mouth in agony. It's about time she got attacked again. Sarah gets up and bounces off the door out into the hall. She makes her way down the stairs slowly as she's still in a lot of pain and labour. The woman, still crying, stands in the doorway of the bedroom upstairs. Sarah makes it to the front door and tries to unlock it. She's still trapped. She sees the officer that was stabbed with a knitting needle in the head. Sarah bends down and she rips it out. She still has a bit of fight in her. Sarah walks to her lounge room. The woman says her name and she turns around and gets hit in the face. This knocks Sarah straight to the floor. Sarah holds the knitting needle out in front of her to protect herself, but the woman kicks her hand down. The woman kicks Sarah in the face, not once, but twice. A little puddle of blood appears on the floor from Sarah's mouth. The woman grabs Sarah by the blood-covered hair and drags her along the floor on her back, Sarah yelling out in pain, kicking her legs. The woman drops her down the floor in the kitchen. Sarah rolls over onto her stomach and uses the oven to get up off the floor. She still has the knitting needle in her hand that she waves out in front of her as a threat, the woman just standing and staring at her. We get to see the damage Sarah did to her lip here. We see some dried blood, it looks pretty nasty. They stand and stare at each other, Sarah breathing heavily and hunching over a little but sounds like a bull to a matador. She points the needle around and presses it firmly against her own stomach. The woman looks down and realises what Sarah is doing. We as the audience get a little flash of the baby in the womb, floating around in there looking slightly disturbed. The woman grabs the closest thing she can find to bash Sarah with. It's a toaster. She smashes Sarah's face with a toaster. This knocks her to the ground, more blood pouring out of her mouth. The woman smiling menacingly. She is enjoying this torture. Sarah coughs and splutters on the floor, struggles to catch a breath. The attacker, in true form, takes out a cigarette. As she attempts to light it, Sarah grabs an aerosol can from the floor and sprays it right in the direction of the woman's lighter, causing the spray and fire to go right in the direction of the woman's face. She screams out. 
we see a very graphic image of her skin burning off of her face. She gets up and screams out in pain as she retreats out the kitchen. Sarah, laying on the floor, still struggling to breathe, holds the knitting needle up to her throat, trying to conjure up the strength to perforate her neck. I thought she was actually trying to kill herself, but she was just trying to give herself a tracheotomy, which is a very common procedure made to clear the airway to assist the patient in breathing. She pierces her throat. We hear the skin break as the needle goes through. She wiggles the needle around to open the hole and blood starts spilling out. She manages to climb to her feet now that she's able to catch her breath. She is in pain, blood spilling out of her throat. She finds duct tape on the counter and tapes up her neck to stop the bleeding. She falls to her knees, finds a knife on the floor and decides to make the ultimate weapon to truly end this torture. She stabs the knife into the cupboard and grabs a pole that could be from a mop or a broom and jams it onto the knife. The pole itself is retractable, so she stretches it out even further, with the idea that her attacker cannot get close to her. Sarah composes herself and steps into her lounge room. The camera pans up close to her face. She looks like she's ready for war. She goes in hunting mode for her attacker. It's still dark, so she uses her camera flash to find her way. She even says aloud, Where are you hiding, bitch? Taking a load of photos of the massacre that has taken place inside her house, she goes on the hunt for her intruder. Sarah's pretty much had a second wind, really. She's pushed through the pain and is now here for blood. She finds where the bitch is hiding as she takes a few photos behind a wall. The woman is crouched down and Sarah stands over her. The woman's face is horribly disfigured from the burns. She tells Sarah, You can kill me again. Sarah, puzzled, lowers her weapon, tears welling up in her eyes. The woman adds, you already did once, and we're now introduced to a flashback. The intruder in her car, she too is pregnant and holding her stomach. We hear her voice saying, my child, as she rubs her pregnant belly, my baby, finally inside me, no one will take him from me, no one can hurt him now, no one. Now, if you remember, at the start of the film, we have already heard this. We then see her lose control of her steering, then a flash of her baby in the womb, hitting the inside of her stomach very hard. We see blood in her stomach, surrounding the fetus. The screen then goes to a bird's eye view of the two cars again, from the beginning, alluding to the woman, the intruder, being the other driver in the crash that caused the loss of Sarah's husband, Matthew. Sarah replies to the woman, They told me there were no survivors. Holding back tears, Sarah then shoots more photos of the woman, the flash blinding her. Suddenly the lights come back on. Sarah turns around and she sees the police officer, barely able to stand, manage to get the breakers back on. We cut back to Sarah and then the woman on the floor, touching her head where she's missing hair from the burn she suffered. We hear Sarah's heartbeat as she puts her camera down and approaches the police officer, who's still very unsteady on his feet and facing the wall. She still has her weapon in her hand as she moves closer to him. She asks, Officer? A couple of times. We hear a piercing screech as he quickly turns his head around. He looks almost zombie-like. A bullet wound to the head will do that, I guess. His eyes are blood red and we see blood has exited out of his nose and mouth. 
He moves very slowly towards Sarah, taking small, unbalanced steps as he attacks her. He grabs her by the throat and yells out. He starts beating her with his baton in the stomach. We flash to the baby in her womb that is suffering immensely. Blood and mucus drop out of her and she slips over. The woman grabs Sarah's makeshift weapon that she dropped and stabs the officer under the armpit. She stabs him again and leaves the weapon in him. He then falls onto the couch and writhes around in pain. We see Sarah attempt to crawl up the stairs. The woman grabs her trusty scissors and follows her. Sarah is really struggling at this point. She's only halfway up the stairs as the woman approaches her slowly. She sets the scissors down next to Sarah as Sarah chokes out, The baby's coming. Sarah is having trouble breathing. She splutters out, The baby! The woman shushes Sarah, telling her to calm down and that she's right there for her. Sarah is screaming in pain. I think it's stuck, she yells. The woman, grabbing her scissors, cuts Sarah's nightgown to present her pregnant stomach. She takes a blade of the scissors and pokes it into Sarah's belly button, which was her plan of attack from earlier. Sarah's screaming out in pain as the woman cuts a hole in her stomach. The woman grabs into Sarah's stomach. Blood is gushing out of her as the woman is basically arms deep into Sarah's stomach. The woman is digging around in there and we see the pool of blood pouring out of down the staircase. The screen goes black and we see one lamp light from the lounge room. The woman holding the baby she fought so hard all evening to take from Sarah. The baby is not making any noise at this point, so I'm not convinced it survived. The woman sits in the rocking chair, baby wrapped up in a blanket. The woman rocks and we finally hear a small cry from the baby. We are then shown what is left of Sarah, her stomach left with a gaping hole of where her baby has been torn from her. Obviously, our attacker is no surgeon. It is an absolute bloody mess. The umbilical cord and the hole in her stomach is all you can really make out at this point. The camera slowly pans up Sarah's body. She is completely covered in blood and extremely dead at this point. The woman is still rocking in the chair with the baby. She kisses its forehead gently as the baby lets out a few noises. The camera pans out backwards and the screen goes black. And that, guys, ghouls and girls, is how the movie ends. My thoughts, opinions and perceptions. As someone who enjoys gore more than just scare or slasher horror, this was worth the watch as I felt like I was drowning in blood. The whole film, you're rooting for this poor, lonely pregnant woman to get through this safely and alive, but it did leave the question on my mind. Did she truly want this baby? Did she truly want to bring it up all by herself? Or was all this fight really just for herself? Obviously, the loss of her husband is tragic, and I wouldn't expect a baby could take that loss and sadness away, but she really didn't seem like she wanted it or was that excited about having it. I could have had that all wrong, and maybe it would have just been different if she actually lived and gave birth. But in a completely messed up thought process, the other woman really went through a shit ton of trouble to have a baby. Granted, it wasn't her own, but I guess she felt like Sarah owed her that one due to the accident. Maybe she blamed her for the crash and the loss of the baby? It is also very unusual for the bad guy to win, so that was also a very interesting twist. 
I give this film 8 out of 10. The acting was fantastic, there was a great amount of gore and they got very creative with weaponry. Very resourceful. Thank you for listening. Do you like someone that goes from topic to topic and tries to think of interesting things to say? Well, look no further than the Chaotic Neutral podcast, where I, your host, have on solo episodes and collabs like with podcasters and have fun while I do it. I like to talk about things from cats to drinking two quarts of apple juice from just cuz. And if you are interested in my podcast, you can follow me on Twitter at Chaotic Neutral Pod and Instagram at Chaotic Neutral Pod.